This podcast covers sensitive topics. Content warnings can be found in the episode descriptions. We may also discuss major serious spoilers, so be warned. Procedural generation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Procedural Veneration, the hit podcast where we talk about, rate, and goof on your favorite crime procedurals. I am your host, Hank. I am host, Daphne. Delightful. We can go ahead and get started with our premise of today, which is, of course, the TV show, Num 3 R's. Some would say it's pronounced numbers, but I say you reap what you sow, uh, which is, of course, to say that numbers is spelled with a three. Yeah, much like some of our favorite media. Seven. Seven is the only example I could come up with Hang as on. well. Megan. Fanforstick. Fanforstick. Megan. Seven. That's three other ones. That's good enough. Mm-hmm. And they're all wonderful. They're all delightful. I have not seen Megan. Uh, or seven, actually. But you've seen seven, and we've both seen some Fanforstick, so we're experts on this on the subject matter. Neither of us have seen Megan, so we got a good spread in there. But exactly. both of us have seen Numbers, so uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it. Numbers as a show primarily follows the academic, the professor of mathematics, Charlie Epps, played by David Crumholtz. You thought I was going to make a dirty joke, but I decided that it was kind of bullying a little bit, so I decided not to make that joke. I will still censor it sometimes just for comedic effect, though. Uh, as well as his FBI agent brother, Don Epps, who's played by Rob Morrow. They're joined by side characters whose names you will almost certainly have difficulty recalling on your podcast, and their emotional support father, Alan. And then the two often join their forces, by often I mean pretty much every episode, to employ Charlie's math skills in solving elite FBI-level crimes. I watched three episodes of the show, and I can't even really tell you any person's name. I mean, yeah, I, I, I did. Ha- I remembered Charlie, but I had, I did not remember Don at all. And I did for some re- weird reason. I remembered Alan. I'd been writing down nerd brother and cop brother. Yeah, that's fair. I wrote down Crumholtz pretty much, or DK. I started to write down for uh, foreshortening pretty much everywhere that it came up. So this show, uh, in this show, Charlie Epps works as a professor at the fictional CalSci, which is based on Caltech, which is actually where the show's mathematical consultant and occasional writer, Dr. Gary Larden, works. A real place. A, well, CalSci is not a real place. Caltech is a real That's place. That's what I'm saying. Caltech yeah. is a real place. Yeah, Caltech's a real place in Pasadena. Um, we promise. <laughs> you can look it up. We didn't just create a whole bunch of Wikipedia pages about it. People have gone there. People have gone there. Uh, Alex on the show Modern Family goes there. And it's not fake. I think that's where uh, the Bing the Bing Bong Forum crew work. I'm not sure though. Anyway, back to numbers. The CBS show that we're talking about today. Charlie, the professor, is often shown in his classroom working out case details with his coworkers, including his love interest, uh, whose name eludes me, and then the weird, awkward side professor character named Larry, who, fun fact, goes to space at some point during this show. Just like a, a Tesla. Just like a Tesla. Just like another. Caltech Calci person uh, from the the Big Big Bang Theory. Once again, a real place you can go to. They they made it in numbers and then they made it a real place. Yeah, they and they they even pretend like it existed before the TV show, but it did not. Dr. Gary Larden founded it and then made up a bunch of history for it. You can look that up. 
Yeah, because he made a bunch of money being a mathematical consultant on the TV show. This show, yeah, like I said, it focuses on numbers. It talks about numbers a lot. There are fun, weird cutaways where David Krumholtz's character is just recorded in a green screen and then dropped into a dark void as he talks about something. And there's like overlays demonstrating what he's talking about. Like if yeah, he's like, like stock footage. Stock footage. If he's talking about like an animal metaphor, it'll show those animals, much to the chagrin of, of us two owners of a reactive dog who doesn't like quadrupedal animals on screen <laughs> i think there was i don't remember why but i think there was a horse or a deer in his metaphor and, and bean got pretty upset <laughs> yeah so bean writes this show is zero out of ten. Zero out of ten for sure but bean is only our assistant as we established in the last episode so his opinion doesn't matter it's our opinions that are important especially mine and as we established in uh, our season finale our attempted murderer no comment on my opinion being more valuable <laughs> uh it remains to be seen yeah I, I think ultimately if we mapped out my initial rating versus yours the final rating is generally closer to yours <laughs> i'm persuasive what can you say <laughs> in looking stuff up for the show i found that it was somewhat no noteworthy for its focus on the clearly jewish epps family uh, all three of the actors rob morrow david krumholtz and judd hirsch who play the three members of the family on screen are of jewish descent and then the characters themselves are at first heavily jewish coded and then later on in like season four or five finally stated explicitly to be jewish this somewhat came off of the heels of Rob Morrow explicitly requesting that the showrunners include a bit more of Don exploring his faith, uh, which was they were essentially ten- it was essentially a tacked on little side fact um, about the characters or implicitly implied. But they wanted to do some more explicit involvement of that, of that dynamic. So that was pretty cool. Other recognition stuff, though, the show was not recognized widely critically. It was praised by several science bodies. Interesting. For- yeah, for its science communication, specifically, you know, mathematics. It earned both the Carl Sagan Award for Public Understanding, as well as the National Science Board's Public Service Award. I think it may have gotten that sounds that like one a twice. stretch. I, yeah. Were there no other contenders that year? We only watched three episodes, to be fair. Maybe there was one about uh, how elections work and it was helpful or something. I don't know. Um, there was also, it was nominated for one Emmy for stunt coordination for the season two episode Harvest, which I desperately wish I had read before I selected the episodes that we watched. Yeah, that's fair. So you're saying that we just watched uh, three shit ones. <laughs> they weren't that bad. They weren't super engaging. No, no, either. yeah, they weren't. They weren't terrible. Yeah. They were just kind of odd. That's fair. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. It's, it's a, it's a pretty good time. I think I liked some of the character dynamics and I think the family stuff worked pretty well. You thought it was stupid, but I was really annoyed uh, off the back. Hot off the heels of two Gary shows where just... Sorry, who? Gary, uh, you know, the air guitar guy. Uh, sorry, can you please um, do your recreation of the air guitar? I don't know if it comes across on the microphone very Thank well. Thank you. But you're welcome. And then now can we hear what the actual one is? No. No. Hey, Gary, can you take that again? No. But Gary isn't in this show, I don't think. So I haven't confirmed that. So let's let's leave him behind for now. He might come up a little bit later. We'll see. But you know who is in this show? As we've mentioned before, David Krumholtz. David Krumholtz has a interesting history with math. He failed algebra in high school twice and described himself in interviews as hating math and, and not liking it, despite the fact that he plays the math-heavy character of the show. He invented boy math. Yeah, like, like Danica McKellar invented girl math. David Krumholtz invented boy math. <laughs> Uh, he was, however, awarded an honorary Associates of Arts degree in mathematics from Lake Tahoe Community College in 2007 in recognition of his work on the TV show. That was only two years into the television show. <laughs> so I wonder if they revoked it after that. 
I think it's uh, interesting and maybe a little bit hurtful to anybody who earned their Associates of Arts degree in mathematics from Lake Tahoe Community College. But on the show, the person who was most mathematical was the actor who played Colby Granger, uh, who will come up very shortly. He was the spy guy, Daphne. Ah, uh, spy guy. Yeah, yeah, spy yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. Uh, He actually had a math-heavy engineering degree from MIT. Don't we all? Yeah, uh, I don't. I, I have a math-heavy science degree from a different school <laughs> that is definitely not MIT. <laughs> It's pretty cool, though. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Ultimately, there's not a lot of other things to say about the show. My exposure to it previously was primarily, it was on a lot of DVD trailers, I think, for like seasons of the Big Bang Theory that came out and maybe like How I Met Your Mother, things that we were buying back before DVDs got sucked into the black hole of progress that is the internet. I don't know. Have you had any exposure to numbers other than this, Daphne? Uh, I had never heard of it, but when you explained that it was spelled with a three- my first thought was of the TV show Fringe, for uh, whatever reason, which I don't think has any um, numbers I'm, in it. No, pretty sure it's just Fringe, although it could be FR1NG. NG3. NG3. Oh, you're getting two in there. They wanted to beat numbers. So when we do Fringe, we're going to have to spell it wrong. Okay. Is Fringe that much of a crime show for us? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it actually would have been um, a really good Halloween pick for us. Mm, that's um, a good point. My... She's always in costume, right? No, that's a different that's a, show. Which one is that one? Are you uh, sure that's a different show? Yeah, that is 100% different. You're thinking of like, Hang on. shit, what's it called? There's like a, a yes, you're right. There's a cop show where the whole yeah, premise is yeah, that they're okay, dressing right. up sexy every time. Yeah, that's, it's the, uh, I, I thought Fringe was, a, it. Fringe is a J.J. Abrams show. I, I thought that was the same one. It's Jennifer Garner, I want to say. Yeah. No, Fringe is the one where like creepy stuff happens. It's alias, like, I was thinking of Alias. <laughs> yeah, you were thinking of Alias. <laughs> is that also J.J. Abrams? Yes. Okay. Fringe is more of like an X-Files adjacent type show, as far as I can tell. Okay, we do Fringe, then we do Alias, and then we never speak J.J. Abrams' name again. Exactly. Yeah, sounds great. So as far as what I thought about the show, um, I, I liked it. I thought it was endearing, especially after CSI NY. It's not really spelled New York, though I think it's said New York. Kind of left a... Bad, a bad taste in my mouth. It was nice to watch a show that was enjoyable, um, and I liked the crimes a lot. And then I also liked the family dynamic of their philosopher dad, who was there to advise both of them in their differing paths in life. Yeah, um, I gave it a seven point five out of ten, hmm. and I said that it's if Brad Meltzer's Decoded was a procedural. Uh, they'll leave you asking, "Is that how that works?" And what are these people's jobs? Hey, according to the body that. Uh, awards the Carl Sagan Award for Public Understanding. That is how that works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. I should maybe not be so judgmental. I didn't give a number rating, but I, I'd honestly, I'd go with, now that you've given such a such a, a fair, decent one, I, I'm going to go with an 8.2. I really like this one. So you're just trying to one-up me. I'm trying to one-up you, but also I think I usually give my number first, and then you end up countering that more often than not. Interesting. So. Uh, Derek, can you go in and listen to all of our podcasts and tell me if that's true? Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Derek, get to work. What are you doing? I'm sorry, What Derek. do we pay you for, Derek? What do Derek? we pay you for, Derek? Oh, God. Derek is our intern that we pay in exposure. Yeah, Bean gets actual money, but Derek gets exposure. All right. Moving right along, though, uh, I don't want to take too long on the front matter. Let's get into some trivia, or as I have stylized it, TR1V1A, Ooh. Uh, especially presented to you by Shaw from Open Season doing the air guitar. <laughs> Thanks, Shaw. So famously, Daphne, as we will get into with our episode descriptions, during an episode we watched, Colby Granger, a series regular primary character, was revealed to be a double agent of the Chinese government. My first question to you 
is what absolute 180 gymnastics does the season four premiere do to redeem Colby Granger and immediately return him to the team? Does he turn out to be a double agent that was actually working for the U.S. the whole time? Another way you might describe that? A double agent? No, there's a there's another there's another element in there. If if he pretended to be a double agent for the Chinese, what does that make him? A triple agent. A triple agent, correct. <laughs> and that is absolutely correct. He they reveal him in the season four premiere to have been a triple agent all along, but his contact sponsor handler, whatever they call it, uh, was assassinated <laughs> or died in action. So nobody can back that up because you know at that point if you're that deep in in the con, then very few people know about it, right? Yeah, someone watched The Departed. But uh, what do you think? he did to actually prove that he was a triple agent and not just playing them to get back in their good graces. Uh, handed over Chinese intel and killed three Chinese spies. Close. Uh, killed he... three Chinese civilians. Oh, Jesus. Let's... Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to roll us back there. No, he was almost killed by Chinese spies. <laughs> uh, mm. But it still does feel like it could be a ploy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. Especially because there's another double agent in that episode who I think also turns out to be a triple agent, maybe. Yeah. Are you saying that he's he a triple dies. agent, which means that he's a uh, liquid, uh, gas, and solid all yes, at the same the, time? the pressure and the temperature are at the right point for him to be liquid, solid, and gas. Um, unfortunately, he's not quite able to be plasma at the same time, so... Mm. really missing out there yeah that's why the chinese tried to kill him yeah (laughs) on the linked wikipedia article for triple agent which actually is the double agent article uh how many notable historical triple agents are listed daphne six six uh no not six lower lower than that yeah two higher four correct there are four listed notable triple agents which is kind of weird from like spy media i would have expected to be maybe a little bit more than that but i don't know i'm guessing is there someone from chuck in there (laughs) <laughs> no it's, it is a real people it probably would be a lot more uh, robust if it were a list of fictional triple agents it would probably also include colby granger also two of these two of these people were significant historical and political leaders for malaysia which i think is funny that that they got away with it twice <laughs> yeah that is pretty good all right on to question three though during season four Charlie does what that results in his clearance being revoked preventing him from working with the fbi until some gymnastics happens and he's able to do it again. Does he leave confidential information on his desk and then a student takes it? No, he's never been punished for that happening. Um, He's constantly talking about cases with his cohort who are not cleared, I don't believe, or they probably are, but they don't work regularly with the FBI. And I'm sure his students have seen tons of case details. But no, he does not get in trouble for that. He thinks that he's... Um, putting in a Google search, uh, looking for information about the case, but he's actually tweeting it. Uh, interesting. So it's like the the like seventy year old politician move then. Yeah. No, he does not. He does not accidentally tweet case secrets. He gives intel to Pakistani scientists, uh, which is at a certain point just being a spy, right, or an asset at the very least. I mean, all scientists will tell you that we can't be spies. It's in our contracts. <laughs> Interestingly enough, famously, Pakistan, a nuclear power, got there by misusing scientific resources that that were given to them for nuclear energy. Um, don't quote me on that, but that's essentially how India and Pakistan became nuclear powers. Uh, so it's just a little bit like, huh, okay, 
yeah, yeah, Charlie, you you know better than everybody else. It's all good, man. Yeah. Also, as scientists, we have to sign like you know NDAs and like confidential agreements all the time. If you work for any government entity, you're constantly signing stuff like that. So you should know better, Charlie. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing though. Charlie isn't really a scientist. He just does math, so he doesn't have to do any of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Because mathematicians definitely don't count. Yeah, mathematicians aren't scientists. You heard it here first. As a computer scientist, I'll tell you, mathematicians just don't cut it. <laughs> you have to have computer in the name. Looking at you, Mark. <laughs> Good thing you also got a physics degree. <laughs> hey, I I believe that everyone is a scientist. I, of, of course, yeah. And and I also, I didn't mention this before, but I also commend uh, David Krumholtz for doing achievements in math because I feel like it's one of the fields where once you get burned by the public school system because it doesn't teach it to, very well to everyone, right, that people tend to just sort of abandon it and even if they might find some joy in it later in life like people do with like literature and reading and whatnot right so i think that's it's an underserved field in that we really really mess people up with it early on and then we don't redeem it in any way later on in modern life and that's why got the sagan award daphne that was not very nice and that's why crumholtz got the sagan award it's just crumholtz first off (laughs) you don't need to add you don't need to add the whole that's even worse that's that's straight up bullying david crumholtz is never gonna want to be on our podcast now even if he even if he uh wasn't already turned off by me saying that his associates uh, honorary associates degree was an insult to people that worked for that degree Moving on, we can stop. We can stop insulting. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Stop insulting him. Stop talking about math. But uh, when I was doing research for this trivia, I asked you, Daphne. I didn't know you tried to hire Charlie in jest. What defense organization that I was referencing with that joke attempts to recruit Charlie toward the end of the series? DARPA. DARPA. That's correct. I I didn't know how familiar you were with DARPA. So I'm thought, very familiar with DARPA. Yeah, I've yeah. done a lot of internet history, um, education stuff. Oh, yeah, used to be ARPA, which. Which was responsible for ARPANET. I'm informed, yeah. you ignorant. No, I, that that was for our listeners. I know that you're informed. You're you you got this. But I was just very proud of that joke. So moving right along. Mm-hmm. And finally, five. Dr. Gary Lorden, a the Caltech professor who served as the show's mathematical consultant, stated in a 2007 NPR interview that the inclusion of the number three in the title was both a direct pull of leet speak to be you know up and with it, but has also served what other purpose for the show? Um, just the three represent the father the son and, <laughs> and the, the holy, holy spirit uh no <laughs> though i will say this this purpose has been very useful for me in researching this tv show to make the seo better absolutely yeah just straight up seo i don't know if if he was saying that that was like a conscious thing like oh yeah we can call it numbers because because the internet is up and coming and we got the three in there so it's easier to find our show but they were aware that it was good for seo to, at least at some point in, cre- in the creation of the show so yeah that's a solid four points for me oh yeah that's right i'm keeping track oh no i'm i'm doomed i i can't be bothered to keep track of my points i'm never gonna recover from this four points you writing that down derek derek write that down please thank you so much i appreciate it we'll pay you in dog treats sorry be- bean <laughs> bean has approved of this uh, because he gets real money and can buy his own dog treats anyway five trivia questions out of the way a smashing success on daphne for numbers trivia let's go ahead and start talking about our episodes just go ahead and start off with the median if you'd like is that one guilt trip guilt trip yes which i right now i'm completely blanking on the plot of ah the jury one that's right so the median episode of numbers is a little number called guilt trip which uh season five episode 15 and a 7.4 out of 10 on imdb okay so the first thing i wrote down for numbers was just that this is already the cool older brother of a lot of early 2000s procedurals which we have already started to cover it's sleek it's dark 
like it's color grading sexy. wise it's sexy it's got david crumholtz in it a a sex magnate that's right i said magnate not magnet he has a monopoly on sex he owns it <laughs> do you think uh, david crumholtz's monopoly on sex is a uh, vertical or horizontal uh definitely horizontal Hor- if you catch my drift horizontal yeah, yeah yeah no that's that seems like a, a good get the premise of this episode is that I think it starts out you're you're watching them essentially do a bust. Um, they have people, the FBI agents that is Charlie's not, nowhere to be seen at the start. They have an informant who is infiltrated an arms dealer, right? I don't. Yeah, remember. that sounds about right. Bad person, generic bad person trope slash illegal career. The bad guy gets wise to the fact that his informant is got something up and suspicious and then he takes her hostage with pistol tells all the agents to back off gets in an elevator the door which uh closes right in front of the fbi agents and they're powerless to do anything about it when it emerges a floor up the one the informant had been shot and the bad guy is just like guess you'll never know what happened yeah i would like to point out that this uh woman that was his girlfriend or fiance or wife or something who was like she was she was only inform an informant i think because she was fed up with his bullshit <laughs> or like she didn't know that he was in arms trading or something oh i remember it was because her brother is a veteran oh or, yeah like, was in the army right. and so he she didn't realize he was an arms manufacturer selling arms to the opposing side in the war yeah and was upset that he was potentially selling the guns that would kill her brother which is to say hey maybe you should be angry at congress yeah pretty quickly you you see this guy's trial and he gets acquitted and then the whole episode becomes that the fbi is suspicious of jury tampering though they don't have a formal investigation open for it or they have like a narrow window to nab the guy before he just vanishes this episode also features ray wise as a generic fixer who is responsible for the jury tampering that did happen surprise surprise then basically the david crumholtz does a whole spatial dynamic jury model to figure out which of the jurors were most likely tainted they find out that one of the jurors is straight up not a real person and was like fully an adopted persona plant to be there and 100% be at least a hung jury vote but also try to coerce other jurors away and then two more jurors were being blackmailed right yeah they were being blackmailed sorry i didn't realize that was a question to me (laughs) yeah i I couldn't remember (laughs) and uh, like this is all projected from charlie's mathematical model but ultimately i don't really feel like the mathematical model does a whole lot to actually like end up being part of the solve they basically do all the work in parallel and Charlie's just like, yeah, I also figured that out, right? Yeah, pretty much. The other fun thing about this was that the dude committing the crime, right? Like he, this video footage of him pulling out a gun yep. and um, taking this woman hostage and then dragging her to the elevator and then a gunshot while they're the only two people in the elevator. And then he steps out and he's like, it was self-defense. And I've been on a jury and I can tell you, yeah, it could go like that. Yeah, it really could. <laughs> it really could go like that. They, they don't they don't set it up as outlandish, but it's definitely like a skeevy lawyer push, right? I, I think the whole point of the episode is that it's not it's not unbelievable, right? And it's like the argument they make is sort of makes sense, but this guy is an arms dealer. This woman was an informant for the FBI. Like it doesn't it's he did it, right? <laughs> it's pretty clear and I don't think that a jury would likely actually not convict him, right? Yeah, it was pretty funny, though, because I I wrote down a quote where his lawyer was like, how can you know he had a gun to begin with? And it's like, you clearly see him in the video footage take out a gun, um, shoot it in the air. Well, first he's hiding it, right, when he's taking this woman hostage. But then he very clearly shoots it in the air and then (laughs) sprints to the elevator. (laughs) Something else that happened was at at one point, 
Um, a random guy threatens to shoot his black coworker um, if he becomes his boss and tries to tell him what to do. And That's you say, fun. oh, is this the arms dealer? No, it's one of the police officers. I've, I'm pretty sure that was Colby, the, the double agent. I agree. I think <laughs> that that was Colby. Because Colby and uh, David Sinclair, played by Alimi Ballard, they're sort of played off against each other as partners as well as quiet rivals and whatnot. Yeah, and lovers. And, lo- and lovers. Yeah, That's why the betrayal is so hurtful. I, I do have something, another interaction um, that I think is important to note, which is at one point, David and Colby are talking to um, this waitress. And at some oh, point God. she goes, I don't go for chicken salad. I'm more of a roast beef kind of girl. And then kind of looks... Uh, looks su- at David. Suggestively at David. Which the the waitress is black and David is black. And no part of that would not suggest that that was referring to their skin color, right? Yeah, and that she likes black guys. Right. It's because this is because uh, one of the jury members had come in and hit on her. Yeah. And she said that she had taken his phone number, but she hadn't called him because, once again, I don't go for chicken salad. I'm more of a roast beef kind of girl. And looks suggestively at David. <laughs> so so then they they go out to their car after getting this piece of information and then colby asks david do you think i'm a roast beef guy or a chicken salad guy and Dave, like like the, the show plays it off like she wasn't talking about skin color and it's just like i in what world would you not interpret it that way and then later like towards the end he, re- he reveals that he got this lady's phone number yeah they were going on a date so he is he, a roast beef man apparently yeah and he makes a comment about i guess i am roast beef yeah. and then you're like oh. are you what so i i think colby's um hog is marbled like roast beef Ah, uh, yeah. So she she had to he had to whip it out to prove it to her. Well, that's what he he made it sound like it had something to do with his genitals. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. It was a very weird but, metaphor. But well, that metaphor doesn't make any sense for genitals. I will say that it was an unconfusing metaphor until it became a very confusing yes, metaphor. I agree. I'd also be remiss to to not mention that all sting operations just remind me of Reno nine one one. Yeah. And it's the only thing I can think of whenever I see any sting operation. You're just missing. Uh, oh God, what's his name? Dangle dangle in his cowboy boots yeah numbers would be a way better show if dangle were in it i'd prefer i'd prefer david crumholz in shorts and cowboy boots for what we got in the show you know i mean he is the horizontal emperor of sex the horizontal magnate of sex sex magnate yeah. all right uh season two episode three the worst episode of numbers according to imdb which we might have to start uh, branching out from because imdb will no longer show you a complete list of episodes in order of rating and that's messed up that's messed up how dare you imdb that's okay i can probably find the tv ratings somewhere i just don't really know how that works or what that means so i trust i honestly trust imdb ratings a little bit more than i do the tv ratings but what yeah, do i know cable ratings are all old people and also at the time yeah i don't even know how they collect an actual numeric score off of ratings so it's all made up it's all marketing is it like fox news polling that type of thing i don't know anyway so season two episode three obsession in this one start out seeing a woman at her fancy mansion on the beach or whatever and there's a guy in her house i don't remember if he like physically attacks her i think he just chases her around just chases her around and then he vanishes and then she calls the cops uh, but and about that scene I have written down, do you like scary movies? But I, I wrote going for Scream. It was very Scream. <laughs> but it ends up a bit scary movie. Pretty much what happens is you got a pop star yeah. who talks almost exclusively about how sad she is that she's a pop star and how she can't live her life because she lives purposely lives in a mansion with almost exclusively glass walls. <laughs> and people keep just 
taking pictures of her at home. And look, I have written down and underlined a couple times, fuck paparazzi. Absolutely. That's it is true. not her fault that people will not leave her alone. TMZ, you're a piece of shit. She does have money and means to do something about it, though. Team Star, you're a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. She does have the, um, absolutely the means to, one, get a security system. Two, not have only glass walls in her home yeah um or three build a large fence around her home i don't even have written down i don't remember what the crime is in this episode okay well so she's getting stalked right and so she freaks out she calls the police they help her out the next day a known paparazzi's body is found on a cliff overlooking her mansion that has a convenient view mm-hmm. of her whole house yep and so they assume that he was the stalker until they find out that he could not have been from varied evidence. So then it's slowly uncovered that her rapper boyfriend, who has a very funny name, and I'll look it up in a second. Is it Dante Baker? Yes, it's Dante Baker. <laughs> okay, so her... her okay, Johnny Whitworth. <laughs> her uh, rapper boyfriend, Dante Baker, turns out tipped off this paparazzi guy and was trying to get the paparazzi to take photos of him and the pop star lady having sex now worth noting is that they're having an affair pop star lady is married and so she does not want it to be known that she's dating dante but dante says it's not worth dating this lady if no one knows about it because he's just doing it for the exposure the publicity so dante's right hand man who, I don't know, has a name, but it's not important, is the stalker. So she's the one that killed the guy on the cliff. She's the one that kills the guy on the cliff. Mm, I forgot. Because she finds out that he was trying to take intimate photos of her. I forgot that it was her in the end. I just have creepy actress lady all along at the end of my notes. and I I did not remember what that means, so shame on you, past Hank. At one point, she has a wonderful quote in which she's talking about how fame is so difficult. And she says, you begin to wonder if the alternative is better. Gary, Indiana, <laughs> which we think is hilarious. Yeah. Because <laughs> we live in Indiana. <laughs> also, poor Gary gets a bad rap. Well, I also think it's important to note that uh, I wrote multiple times that Nerd Brother is dressed like a middle schooler. And which, because in most scenes in this particular episode, he's wearing basketball shorts, a graphic tee, and a sweatshirt. I just have that every time he talks about math, the cops just go mouth agape as he's talking about it. And it's like, what's the point of having him here if nobody knows what he's talking about? At one point, they they say that Einstein is a sex symbol. Uh, so that's the worst episode. Pretty boring, pretty bland. But let's talk about the best episode. Season 3, episode 24, The Janus List, or The Janus List, depending on what region you're from. All right. Um, so this episode starts off, there's a guy standing on a bridge. David is driving a car across said bridge when he gets suspicious of him, which is appropriate because that man, after David looks at him, blows up a or triggers a, a bomb on a garbage truck, causing the everybody on the bridge to panic and flee and, what, and whatnot. And then they pick up again and he wants to talk specifically to Charlie and proceeds to quiz him about various intellectual things. And for every question he gets right, he removes a detonator that he has for one bomb on the bridge. And for every question that he gets wrong, he blows up one of the bombs. Big MODOK energy. Yeah, pretty pretty wild. Uh, this guy's British. Uh, he's very serious and very unwell. Yeah, and he says, I'm not testing your mind. I'm testing your heart. <laughs> I also have that written down. Basically, he doesn't give them a whole lot of other information other than if you find the Janus list, trust it. Uh, and then he blows himself up. 
<laughs> well, yeah. He, he survives. I don't know that he blows himself up. I don't remember. The cop brother shoots him with a shotgun, and so it's unclear which causes Got you. the yeah, explosion. Yeah. But I do like that Math Brother shows up, and he has to explain to everyone else that the support beams under the bridge are important for structural yep. integrity. Yep, because some of the bombs are on there. Some of them are on the struts along the bridge. Uh, this is a bridge over the LA River, too. It's probably also in GTA 5. Who knows? At, th- at this point as well, David and David and Colby are climbing the bridge with grappling guns to disarm the bombs from the outside. It's just wild that they're the ones that have to do that. <laughs> Yeah, and they purposely were like, let's not wait for Bomb Squad. Though I guess it comes into play later that this was part of the spy bullshit of Colby. But it's still in sync because the chance that you just, like, get blown up is high. (laughs) They become increasingly concerned about this guy. They try to look into him with the intelligence community. And the intelligence community, specifically a guy working for MI6, I think, is very cagey about it. And then it becomes clear to Charlie that he is still trying to give him information leading him to the Janus list which we're informed is which is which is a list of all double agents just straight up all double agents i'm not sure why that's a good thing to collect but it treats it like it's a good thing and by the end of it they have access to the Janus list i don't know right because <laughs> that's just as much against intelligence of home country as it is for intelligence of other countries right and allies i don't know so this guy is is still communicating with charlie primarily through his heart rate, which he is controlling such that the beeps are Morse code? No, wait. What, uh, or a they? cipher? They're, they're a cipher of Different some kind. Of I, forget what the, I forget what the... I forget what the... The Bacon cipher is, the, is what he's encoding. Oh, it's, it's, the, it's the actual heart rates themselves. It keeps moving between the numbers. Yeah, like he's tapping the little heart rate monitor ah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. finger thing yeah, against um, stuff so that it spikes his heart rate. But it's rate. also like, that is a very chaotic thing. That's an immense amount of bodily control to, to make that work. Yeah, he just flatlines. Oh, God, just a bunch of O's. <laughs> There's a the bunch numbers. of... Uh, also, I think this is the first. This is this episode is a bit later in the show, so we saw uh, several of the female char- characters had left the show. So I made made sure to note that Les's spindly ghoul hands were probably already showing their grimy fingerprints on the show. Yeah, and the last episode we watched also had a completely different female cast. Yeah, so once again, the the crime of treating your women characters as disposable. The crime of letting Les Moonves run a company for that long. <laughs> So they they get down to it. They find out that this guy was contacting a reporter and that early on in the show, they talked to her and, and she's like, yeah, and I didn't hear a whole lot from him and he sounded kind of crazy to me. And then they realized that actually he sent her the, the Janus list, the Janus list. The Hugh Janus list. The Hugh Janus list. And it was encoded in the initial email he sent. I don't remember how. <laughs> Yeah, it was like some weird voicemail code where it's oh, like... Oh, that's right. It was like the, he hid the code to a voicemail that had the message was on there of him just reading out the entire Janus list. Yeah, it was um, interesting. I will say at one point, um, spies come to kill the British guy. And so Nerd Brother is just wheeling him around the hospital. <laughs> through the tunnels. <laughs> through the tunnels underneath the hospital. Yeah. And into an MRI room, which is very hilarious because then the would-be assassin runs in and he turns on the MRI and he just flies across the room into the MRI machine. It is hilarious. Very, very nice to watch. David Krumholtz is also like, have you heard of the blah, 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 blah effect? And then turns on the MRI and then his metal, metal presumably gun and more stuff, it just flings him against the MRI and gets knocked out and 
he's like, I guess not. <laughs> so that was probably the best scene in all three episodes that For we sure. watched. I actually, I disagree. I enjoyed the scenes with their dad a lot. Then you'd love the show with Mr. Fantastic, where the same guy plays Mr. Fantastic's dad. Oh, yeah. It's called Forever. John Hirsch. Yeah, and the show is about a doctor who can't die, or medical examiner, I guess, that can't die. So he lives forever, but he's got to solve crime. That's actual hell. Um, At the end of the episode, after they realize that it's on the... He like I think it's on like a secret second voicemail he, that the intelligence guy set up on her phone or whatever. So they go there. Throughout this whole thing, also Colby recently has a like somebody he served with and was formerly working with at other defense agencies who has been convicted of treason for being a, a spy for the Chinese government. And there, and he's all like, "I you you betrayed me, blah 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 blah." And they force him to tell him information because he knows about the Janus list because he's knowledgeable about being a double agent, I guess. And then at the end, it's like, oh my God, Colby's also evil. <laughs> but you thought you got confused because you were aware that you had seen a spoiler that Colby was a Chinese double agent, right? But then when that guy showed up, you thought it was that guy. <laughs> well, I was confused because I had seen something that he was a a double agent, but then everyone was acting like they were super mad at Colby and like they couldn't trust him at the beginning of the episode. Right, that's right. And so I had just thought that they already knew that he was a spy and I thought it was weird that they still let him on the team. But then at the end, I was like, no, he's a spy. And I was like, oh, whoopsie, shouldn't have told Hank that I think the context is that this guy used to be a spy. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it was totally rational to be like, oh, this guy's guy's friend is a spy, whatever, right? And then then you're like, oh, this guy's also a spy. That's not, that's less surprising now. (laughs) Of course, he's not actually, he's a triple agent. And so is his friend who dies in the season four premiere redemption arc i guess Interesting. I don't know. less moonvez probably wanted him off the show yeah he was asking for too much money yeah equal for rights his, for women for his part time or his appearance in, in like four episodes or whatever hey he still deserves everything he can yeah get. he still you still deserve all, all the money in the world baby uh, uh we didn't talk about it but the writers guild strike has ended and wow sag after strike will probably conclude soonish too so good on the writers for getting what they deserve down with less up with the writers yep. less doesn't have anything to do with it now anymore luckily except for you know his grimy hands all over everything yeah and his ghost still haunts us yep colby and i think somebody else not not david because david's all betrayed at the end but colby and megan maybe the yeah lady the lady the lady fbi agent lead are guarding the reporter at her home when the power goes out well it's not her home it's their safe house oh it's a safe house indistinguishable from a random beach house because it's so unprotected it really is there's like an external staircase at this place it's like a mansion Yeah, it's a mansion, and they only send two people to guard it. Yes. <laughs> One of which is a double, sorry, triple agent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then a couple of, of spies show up and try to kill the lady because they think that she has the Janus list. Which is hilarious because I wrote down that it's the worst assassins ever and also the worst protection of a witness ever. Both, yes. It's Both. total incompetence in this beach house. Like an Austin Powers movie. But they kill all of the invading spies, I think. They shoot them one yeah, by I'm one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're like genuinely murdered. <laughs> yeah. And then when the rest of the team shows up, uh, they they have they have learned that Colby is also a, a, a spy, a Chinese double agent. And when they get there, I think Megan's like knocked out or whatever. And he is leading the reporter lady down this external staircase at gunpoint. And then they just show up and arrest him. And they're like, how could you? How could you? And obviously we, we know that he did and he 
did not at the same time and it's all cheap because of course it is it's, they're not going to write him out entirely but he was ready to kidnap this woman he was ready to kidnap this woman to prove his loyalty to china so uh gross i guess I yeah know. effectively murdered this woman is what he was ready to do yeah also at the end they just get the janus list and like charlie hears it <laughs> And you know he's telling all of his grad students what's on there because yeah. he can't keep his fucking mouth shut. Pretty, it was a pretty decent episode, but it was a little bit bogged down with that good old-fashioned castle reverse flash spy bullshit. Exactly. They do have a little dad play date at the end. They play date with their dad? Yeah, they're just hanging yeah, they're out just with hanging their dad and talk about how much they love him. Yeah, they talk about loving him. Their mom died of cancer, so that's like part of the, the premise of them sort of reunifying and getting closer as a family because obviously you have academic brother and cop brother they're so grown apart at the beginning and they learn to love one another again and also their dad who's like a retired software millionaire (laughs) so yeah that's kind of that's kind of everything about numbers that we saw so before we get into our final review and thoughts i have a special game that uh, I don't believe the premise has been posited before. I'm calling this game Tag You're It purely because it's about IMDb tags. Uh, I'm going to list three of the most voted for movies slash TV shows on a specific IMDb tag that is on the numbers show. Okay. Right? Makes sense. So this, so all of these tags apply to numbers, and then I'm going to read out three other things they apply to, and you have to tell me what the tag is. So for example, for you, so you can just kind of imagine numbers in all of these lineups. So for example, True Detective, NCIS, and Law & Order, uh, SVU, you might say that that tag is... Procedural? Yep, police procedural crime as the tag is listed on uh, IMDb. Cool. So you got you got that down. That doesn't count for a point. Way too easy. So let's get into these four that I have here. Derek, you can scratch what he said and you can just go ahead and give me a point. So I organized these uh, such that the last one is the most in line with this tag. So consider the last one to be the closest hint to whatever's going on. Sounds good. All right. So first up, we have Prison Break, Heroes and supernatural superpowers not even remotely true geniuses <laughs> just think about think about numbers and supernatural and what those have in common brothers Br- brothers yeah the tag is brotherly love <laughs> big philadelphia fans on imdb um so the next one i have i have fight club forest gump and the most imp- the most similar to the tag game of thrones emmy winners no uh they numbers did not win an m or did not win an emmy they were just nominated for one stunt coordination emmy um murder uh no this the game of thrones is the nearest hint and you could probably just list off some of the traits of game of thrones and get the tag right incest close sex sex scene is this tag how many sex scenes know. are there in numbers? i don't know that there can't be a man is seen on top of a woman with movements under the sheets suggesting some sexual activity so nothing worse than like CSI. Probably better than CSI for being honest. And then despite this being mild, uh, there's also apparently a decently graphic essay flashback as well. Jesus Christ. Interesting. Uh, it doesn't have a whole lot other than that though. So I don't, I don't know if that tag is fully, is fully warranted. There's some sickos on IMDb. Yeah. It's, as far as I can tell, it's pretty hard to see how many votes a tag actually has or something has for a tag. But sex scene is the third listed tag on numbers and that's listed by relevance. If you well, actually go to the tag. We do know that Krumholtz is the sex magnate of horizontal tangoing. That's true. So. Krumholtz's presence itself is enough to warrant the tag sex scene because he is utterly oozing with sex in charisma. Every scene that he's in is the sex scene, if you really think That's about true, it. That's true, because he is the master of sex, the magnate of sex. All right, so we have Forrest Gump again, Pulp Fiction, and The Dark Knight. Gimp suits. <laughs> Hmm, I don't know if there's a gimp suit in Forrest Gump. 
This one, this one's weird. This is the watching TV tag. Oh. <laughs> like that is the most voted for three things in the watching TV tag. Like Game of Thrones isn't even up there. What the hell? What about like The Ring? I. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, is there a lot of watching TV in any of? The, I didn't even think about content-wise watching TV. I was thinking like this is just gonna be a list full of TV things. You're right. Uh, though surely, surely there's things that are more uh, relevant than. Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, The Dark Knight. Forrest Gump showed up a whole lot on a lot of tags that I reviewed. I don't know. It seems to be the only movie some people have seen. <laughs> Brutal. You, you've killed them, Daphne. So I don't know what about that. Like, The Dark Knight, I guess, but no more than any other Nolan film, surely, right? Finally, my our last category I have here. Um, I have Pet Cemetery, Inglorious Bastards, and seven weird titles close non-letters and titles uh no pet cemetery and glorious bastards do not have numbers in them or or non-letters but it does have to do with the titles it does have to do with the titles yes um is it a misspelling in the is titles the, it, the tag is intentionally misspelled title but i challenge anybody on imdb to find a title that is unintentionally misspelled <laughs> <laughs> but yes that is correct and you will get the point so that was a nice three out of four for you i think the top tag under numbers by relevance is intelligence which if you look by the most popular under the intelligence tag you get blacklist jack ryan no time to die and then watchmen which it's a mix of both like intelligence as in secret agents and intelligence as in like intelligence because the top one by votes is the martian which is just straight up like a cleverness and intelligence thing right but i i like that watchmen is the top poll on most popular that's probably like Oh, this is this is a intelligent movie about intelligence. Yeah, it's an intelligent movie. Uh, I mean, it could be have, about Ozymandias. You have but. to have an IQ of at least uh, Alan Moore converted into ASCII to and summed up to understand Watchmen. Yeah, it's kind of a deep movie. I don't know if you've seen it, but <laughs> it's kind of got a lot to say. Kind of got kind of hard to comprehend what it really means to see Doctor Manhattan's big old schlong waving around like that. Talk about uh, something that has sex scenes. Thank you for playing uh, Tag You're It. I, I think this is a little, little fun, little jaunt into the mindset of IMDb contributors, which we, who, the backs of whom our podcast rides upon. Though, once again, I can't stress enough: if you have an IMDb account, you are banned <laughs> from listening to our you're, podcast. I'm sorry, but you are probably you. You have a statistically higher probability of being a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> IMDb is not a good organization, and they do not uh, take kindly for your request for removal of things even if those things are stupid. Yeah, IMDb is used for bad a lot of the time. Yes. We are using it for, mm, I wouldn't go far as to say good, but <laughs> personally, I think IMDb suck. Personally, I, I quite dislike IMDb, though I am happy to uh, use it to make my life easier in producing this podcast. Yeah, I will also say they did change their formatting quite a bit, and yeah. now it sucks even more. All right, well, thank you so much for that little, that little adventure. Daphne... Just rounding back up to our final thoughts. What where are you thinking? You you place this at a seven point five. What do you think? Seven point five. What? Seven point five. Oh you I told I told you that I was trying to manipulate you a little bit, so now you're standing firm. I was gonna stand firm no matter what. Um you just reminded me of the things that I thought were funny about this show, but also things that I thought were stupid. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. I mean that whole that whole paparazzi episode so unmemorable. It's honestly the the worst time I've had trying to recall what happened in an episode that we watched for this Did show. Did you fall asleep during that episode? No, but I was close. I think I nodded off at one point, but I was I was awake for all, to see all of the content. Um, I just wish I had fallen asleep. I fell asleep towards the end of a CSI New York, I think. 
Yeah, I remember watching something recently and you fell asleep during it. Yeah, I, I, like, I think yes. I might be thinking of CSI New York where I where I did not off, but I I still caught the entire episode. I I, I think I'll 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 meet you at a seven point seven. How does that sound? Meet me at a seven point seven. That's mm. how compromise works. Interesting. That's that's moving. I still think eight point two. Honestly, let's do seven point seven then. Seven point seven. See, generosity. Thank you for your kindness. That's what marriages are built that's on. What marriages are all about. Daphne, what are we up to next? Next week, we're going to watch sci-fi original Haven, based off of Stephen King's hit novel, The Colorado Kid. Stephen King inspired, definitely 100% in the Dark Tower, because I'm not allowed to look up if it is or not, because you don't want me to look up the Colorado Kid. (laughs) Yeah, Hank says it's in the, the Dark Tower universe. I've told him explicitly that it's not, but he doesn't believe me. I don't think that's Um, right. So between now and then, make sure you brush up on your Stephen King knowledge. Uh, I have a five-star rating here uh, to read out for procedural veneration on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to have your review read out, please just go ahead and drop us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This review says, as the Mrs. Columbo of this podcast, I can wholeheartedly give it five stars. Thank you so much, Kyra, a beloved friend of the show. Thank you. That does it for us. So if you will, Gary, take us out. No. No. Thanks for listening to Procedural Veneration. For feed updates and episode reveals, follow us on Instagram at procedural.veneration. Check out what else we do. Go to www.dank.pizza. Thanks to Jacob Kratulis for the awesome theme song. Tough, but sexy.